Welcome to the Ultimate Dentist Podcast. Join us to hear success stories of various individuals and learn clinical and life hacks to help you become the ultimate dentist. Hey everyone, I hope you are all doing great and I hope you enjoyed last week's podcast where I discussed about uh, the consultation process and what you need to discuss with patient in relation to teeth whitening. If you haven't listened to that before, please go back and listen to that episode because this episode relates to that episode. So in the last episode, we discussed about um, how to gain consent, what things you need to discuss with patient before even doing assessment for teeth whitening. Now, when you are doing assessment for teeth whitening, what you need to ch- assess now this many times you may have done already checkup and you already did the assessment which is not a problem but there are a few things you need to really consider um, whether uh, before you start doing full mouth reconstruction so you need to consider overall condition of the mouth you need to assess how many leaking restorations patients got now if patients got huge caries Uh, big cavities and now you're starting doing teeth whitening it's not really appropriate so you need to really assess patient's teeth for caries if patients got really bad periodontal condition then again it's not a good idea to start with teeth whitening the good idea is that you start doing something like a deep periodontal cleaning and jet polishing to get rid of the staining and make sure that periodontal health is good before you do teeth whitening Although we know that, you know, hydrogen peroxide, the way the teeth whitening invented was uh, by an orthodontist where uh, they were really using it in an orthodontic patient to improve their gums. Um, So we know that, you know, hydrogen peroxide is good for the gum, uh, the oxygen treatment. So they they started doing that and the, the whitening was a byproduct. And that's how they realized that hydrogen peroxide whitens the teeth so it's not a bad idea to help uh, gum with that however if patients not taking care of their gum do you really want to make the teeth look whiter if that makes sense so you know you need to make sure that the gum's healthy and again you know it, it really puts onus on patient themselves and I personally would not just do treatment because patient wanted I understand with the shade and let's say if you're doing crowns and veneers and patient wants bl4 or bl1 shade i'm I'm okay with that you know if someone wants really white teeth i i, I don't have anything any issue with that as well as they are healthy and you know it's not jeopardizing my treatment color is a choice you know some people like green color some people like red color some people like black some people like gray it doesn't really matter i mean i'm not I'm not a clinician who, who um, and I know it's kind of frowned upon like BL1 shade, but I, I respect patients' choices and, you know, SOS is within limits and, you know, it's not really causing a clinical issue, then I don't have any problem. However, periodontal condition, if patients have got poor periodontal condition, then I would not do teeth whitening for those patients until and unless the periodontal conditions been assessed and dealt with and patients in remission so make sure that you you have um, that discussion with patient if there is a caries and there is leaking restoration then you need to really decide 
at what stage are you going to do restoration? So if there is a caries in the upper anterior, let's say central incisors, proxy interproximal caries. Now, of course, if you're going to do teeth whitening, the teeth will get whiter, the restoration won't. And if you have already done the restoration, then you are really exposing yourself to maybe the restoration might need changing if the color is not the same. You can guesstimate and you can maybe use a little two, three shade lighter composite. But you always need to have that discussion with patient that this is the best guess and they may need a re-restoration. They may have to pay for it. On the other side, you need to clinically make a decision. Okay, can you maybe get away how bad the the caries and you know how badly leaking the restoration is? Can you get away without changing the restoration and doing the whitening to avoid extra work because if we know that every time we remove or even resurface the restoration we probably end up damaging the tooth a little bit more so we want to sort of have that balance and something this is something i always discuss with patient and i always teach my mentee when i'm doing when i'm teaching for monthly construction that you always need to if you're worried about something tell your patient that you know i'm concerned that we will change the restoration which is really good but then the restoration will need redoing if the color doesn't match. On the other hand, if we don't do, don't change the restoration, there is a chance that when we do the whitening, it will it can lead to pain in that tooth because the whitening gel will seep through that leaking restoration and can cause pulpal damage. And this is what I'm concerned about. And this, and then then now you and patient are both involved in that problem. And this is something really important. Any treatment you're doing, if you're concerned about anything, you must tell that patient and have a discussion, like two people having a discussion to solve the common problem and come up with a common solution. And take patient with it, because if something goes, you know, not according to plan, then at least patient is aware of that and patient has been consented. And almost patient will feel that, okay, I made that decision along with the dentist, but patient was involved with it. Now, if you just decide yourself and you make a decision yourself, you are taking full responsibility of your decision because patient wasn't involved. So make sure that you discuss that with patient. You need to really assess how much of the exposed dentine patient has. Now, this becomes really critical when you're doing full mouth reconstruction because many times you're doing full mouth reconstruction because teeth wear and the the problem is that when patient has teeth wear patient will have more exposed dentine and because of that you will not be able to get the whitening which someone with the intact enamel will give you and this is again you need to have that discussion with patient and i tell patient that look we're doing whitening just to see how much whiter we, teeth we can get uh, that will mean that we don't have to mask too much of your own discoloration. We can use a very natural looking shade. and But don't expect the teeth whitening really, really well because you have this dentine which is exposed and that's not going to get whiter. And I will blow up the photographs and I will point that out to them. Because when patients have teeth whitening done and then they get patchy whitening, so where the enamel is, they will get whiter, but not where the dentine is. And... You don't want patient to feel um, dissatisfied, if that makes sense. 
So this is something you need. This is what I meant. So you need to assess the exposure of the dentine and let the patient know as well. You need to then assess any endodontically treated teeth, take radiographs, assess periapical lesion. Or what's the periapical status? What's the status of condition of the filling? I.e., you know, if the root canal filling is um, adequate, is it short, is it over, what is it? Now, if it's short, it's not, it's inadequate, uh, or there's a periapical lesion, you need to let the patient know that you cannot do internal teeth whitening, and patient will need that re-root canal treatment done. Now, if that tooth has been asymptomatic, patient doesn't want internal teeth whitening, then you may choose to do teeth whitening without doing anything to that tooth. However, you need to really understand that, let's say if it's a lateral incisor, what if all the rest of the teeth got, got whiter, but that tooth didn't? You may say, okay, then I will do a veneer. Now, I will not do any indirect restoration on a tooth which has got periapical lesion. So, you know, it's better to have a conversation with the patient from the beginning. Now, let's say you have got a tooth, upper left tooth, let's say tooth, good root canal treatment, no periapical lesion, and now you're planning to do internal teeth whitening. Now, if you are planning to do internal teeth whitening, you must warn patient that tooth can flare up. Even though the root canal is fine, everything's fine because what you will have to do in order to do internal tooth whitening is you'll have to remove the GP point two millimeter below the cervical uh, area. You need to seal that with GIC um, to make sure that there is no leakage. But you cannot never assure that there is no leakage. And by just opening that up, the canal, you are now um, exposing that in internal environment to the oxygen and so you need to really warn patient that, you know, tooth can flare up and they may need a re-root canal treatment, unfortunately. So it, how many times that happens? doesn't happen. It happens rarely, but you still need to mention it to patient. And this is another reason I, men uh, I mentioned to patient, like if you're doing any indirect restoration, like let's say onlay or a crown, I always tell patient that I understand that the tooth is not painful right now, but what we are doing is by doing onlay or a crown, changing the core we are really changing the environment of the tooth which inside which has been there for years and years and years and that's why it may get painful so again you need to really discuss that with patient make sure that you consented patient and um, if it's internal whitening then it needs the root canal needs to be repeated if patient says i don't then I would not touch that. I wouldn't probably, I wouldn't even do any treatment because um, I don't want to leave things to chance. Now, once you've done all the assessment, taken the photographs, taken the baseline photographs, then what you're going to do is um, you are going to take impressions or scan, get the trays made up. Uh, once the trays are delivered, you can then fit those trays. I always make sure that the trays fits. Um, you need to check it yourself or your TCO or your you know nurse can check it, make sure it's all fits, everything's fine. And, and then I personally do it myself. And then I would give patient the gel and explain the protocol. Now, it's a good idea to 
have obviously written sheet of the protocol but also um, have uh, some sort of a video clip uh, made up I I'm not sure in which episode but I have I, I've discussed that you know I for my implant consultation I have got videos um, where I've explained everything including that implants not for life and you know what maintenance they need if they don't have enough bone what were the processes and everything so when patients come to me they're already educated they they're not like coming to me and say, thinking implants going to la- last them lifetime and you'll be surprised i have had a doctor telling me that you know once he has he has implant it will last him lifetime or expecting and i had to correct him you know and this is the this is a very it's not a lay person but unfortunately, uh, it's 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 a sometimes myth, and people think that way. Of course, I want my implant to last lifetime, but that's not something I'm going to promise. Um, so you need to be realistic. You need to let the patient know. But what I'm coming to the point is that you need to make sure that you have taken videos, or you have some supplemented instructions, so patient can really go back home and then really watch it and so that they can follow easily my protocol is um, i start patient with at home teeth whitening and then i used to do in surgery whitening as well using six person hydrogen peroxide Uh, but to be honest most of the work is done at home now i've i personally have not done laser teeth whitening Uh, people do claim that uh, it works really well and many study shows, you know, study, I've read like old research showing that laser teeth whitening or in surgery teeth whitening is as effective as home teeth whitening. So I never bothered investing in those uh, instruments. Teeth whitening normally works fine, um, home teeth whitening. But um, if you are going to provide in surgery teeth whitening, then ideally it's better to do it after patients done some whitening at home and then you come back and do in surgery teeth whitening now you need to explain it to patient that what type of teeth whitening you're going to use so um, as we know that the hydrogen peroxide is the stronger version so usually we have six percent hydrogen peroxide for teeth whitening that breaks down um, into you know oxygen urea and water and there is the oxygen really which works and uh, hydrogen peroxide becomes inactive quite quickly the usually around 20 to 30 minutes and that's why if you use daytime teeth whitening gel the short period ones um, they usually are hydrogen peroxide um, whereas the carbamide peroxide is usually three times the concentration than the hydrogen peroxide so let's say you are using 18% hydrogen peroxide, uh, carbamide peroxide, it will have 6% effect of hydrogen peroxide. So when the carbamide peroxide breaks down um, into hydrogen peroxide um, and works, it one is the concentration is one third. And uh, the reason we use carbamide peroxide is because it's slow releasing, so you can use it for nighttime use. And patient can wear it for a long time and it will be active for around three, four hours. After five hours, it becomes inactive. So there's no point in using more than five hours. And this is something I will let my patient know. But you need to decide uh, which one you want. 
patients really sensitive to teeth, then hydrogen peroxide might be a better option because they might not be able to tolerate carbamide peroxide for very long. If patients bruxist, grinds their teeth really badly, then again, you want to use something uh, daytime whitening rather than nighttime whitening because when they grind their teeth with the, with the trays on, trays will flex, saliva will go in and gel will become diluted. So it will become ineffective basically. Now, you need to, that's what you need to decide whether you're going to use a daytime whitening or nighttime whitening. Um, generally, the duration of the whitening is two weeks. And now you need to decide if patients doing internal teeth whitening, at what stage you're going to do internal teeth whitening. So you've removed the GP point, put GIC, now you kept the excess cavity open. Now, when are you going to do that? Are you going to, so there are two ways to do it. You can either um, have internal external whitening, which means you leave the excess cavity open and you would have the trays made up uh, with the palatal reservoir. So patient can squeeze some gel into the tray plus into the tooth, uh, into that cavity and wear the tray for uh, as long as um, the teeth get whiter. Or you could really use walking bleach. Uh, it's very difficult to get hold of but you could use a just the same thing dip the cotton wool roll in carbamide uh, or hydrogen peroxide um, put it in the cavity and seal it uh, with some sort of a temporary uh, sealing material and that could work as well but generally inside outside whitening works really well but at what stage are you going to do inside outside whitening so the op one option is you do that before you do the rest of the teeth uh, the second option is you do inside outside whitening after you'd whiten the rest of the teeth and I generally tend to whiten the rest of the teeth including that tooth without doing internal whitening like a normal teeth whitening first for two weeks when patients happy with the color of the rest of the teeth then I will work with the internal whitening with that particular tooth now I have would have already told patient that it may not work and I would have already would have gained consent for veneer or composite or porcelain or a crown or some sort of a treatment after this whitening so you need to really mention it to patient that it may or may not work if it does generally it works really well but again no guarantees you need to let the patient know that you know if it doesn't work then what what remedial treatment or what other treatment they would need because it would not be nice if patients got rest of the mouth whiter but um, they have this one dark tooth sticking out this will probably look even worse. So that's something you need to let the patient know. Now, question you may ask is, how would teeth whitening fit in into my full mouth reconstruction protocol? So let's say if you have got these composites, now, as we discussed in the full mouth reconstruction protocol, that you probably want to remove all the amalgams and change it to composite at the back. Now, at what stage are you going to do that? Um, we dis did discuss a little bit, touched upon previously that, you know, if you've got leaking restoration, uh, you need to decide where you want to probably leave it um, before um, whitening if you can. However, if you're doing full mouth reconstruction, you probably may want to change that because um, it will become easier when you're using stamp technique in order to build the palatal shelves when you're taking impressions. So I tend to generally remove the leaking restorations or other rest old restorations before I do um, teeth whitening. 
or maybe you could do teeth whitening first then remove those restorations but that will then delay your treatment generally i would um i would get the um, impressions and when i'm taking impression for my diagnostic wax surfs i would also take impression for teeth whitening trays i would then have uh, my mock-up ready in two three weeks time so as my teeth whitening trays ready i'll fit the teeth whitening trays give patient instruction on how to do the teeth whitening but on that appointment i would do a mock-up make sure patient's happy once patient happy then they would start doing teeth whitening um, and once they finish teeth whitening then i will start building teeth up with the with the composite so Remember again that teeth whitening trays needs to be changed after your full mouth reconstruction. So don't forget to put that in your uh, treatment plan. And it's again, if you were to, if I were to do the restoration before teeth whitening, let's say anterior teeth case scenario, I tend to select A1 shade because usually when like you can reach a1 shade pretty predictably um, and if it's b1 a1's not to look too bad if it's a3 a1 doesn't look too bad so it really uh, depends again it depends what kind of composite you're using like you know if you're using because different composites a1 looks or they look different if that makes sense some a1 look more brighter some a1 looks more darker so you it depends what composite you're using i use genial so i um, use a1 and it works it works okay um, if I need to guesstimate, but again, you need to let the patient know that you are guesstimating and you are you're you're estimating that it will be around this one, and they probably will need some touching up um, anyway. So I hope you found this episode useful. This was teeth whitening and full mouth reconstruction and how you relate to that. But again, it's generally. It's a general information about teeth whitening, which is a really fantastic treatment, fantastic cosmetic treatment, which I don't feel we use enough uh, in our armamentarium. So start doing teeth whitening. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me at info at drdevangpatel.com or join my Facebook group, Full Mouth Reconstruction for GDPs. For, you know, if, you, if you're interested in Full Mouth Reconstruction, then that's the group to be in. Have a lovely day and I'll see you in the next podcast.